0: I want to talk to you about something this morning that I kind of think through every single year, um, and it's something that I like to call the space in between. And the space in between is simply the, the place that you find yourself when you're not really where you want to be, but you're kind of in between. So let me explain it this way. Maybe you want to be a mother. Maybe your desire is to have children, and you've been to every doctor that you could think of, and nothing is happening. And so you desire to be a mom, you want to raise kids, you want to do it, and you're doing everything that you know how to do. You're crying out to God, you're praying, you're doing every spiritual practice that you can think of, and still nothing, no answer, silence. Or or maybe you find yourself in a career or in a job today, you're like, I I do not like this job, and you've filled out every application that you possibly can to get a different job, right? And, And all you are left doing is just waiting. You're waiting for a callback, you're waiting a callback from the boss, you're waiting for that application to be approved, and you find yourself in this thing that I'd like to call the space in between. It's usually where tension lives. It's usually where stress lives. It's usually where anxiety lives. It's usually where depression lives. It's usually where we find ourselves kind of stuck in between. I don't know if you know this, but most of life is usually not spent on the mountaintop and it's usually not spent in the valley, it's spent right in the middle. Most of life is the journey. It's not about reaching the destination. And most of life is us walking through this journey. And how do we learn to live in this stress? How do we learn to live in this tension? The space in between is the in between the middle of depression and joy. It is in between peace and happiness. It is something in the middle, in the space in between. And most of us try to spend our lives attempting to avoid the tension. Like nobody, how many, show of hands, how many of you just say like, I love living in tension. (laughs) I just love pain. I just love suffering. I love to live in the middle of that. Most of us spend our lives trying to avoid the tension, right? This is why technology has become so powerful. Um, Because instead of dealing with our problems today, we have so many vices where we can simply just numb them. That's why Netflix is so popular. You know, Netflix, how how many guys have ever done this? I'm just going to watch one show. And then there is this horrible thing that happens after you finish that one show. It's this countdown that starts in the bottom of the screen. And you're like, all right, I don't don't know. Okay, okay, whatever. (laughs) Five, four, and then you get in and then you watch another one and then you watch another one. Or how many of you have ever found yourself in the endless scroll of Facebook? Like, I don't know why I'm still scrolling through this trash, but I am loving it and you get yourself lost in it. Why do we do this? Oftentimes, it's pointing to something greater that's going on in our heart. There's a tension. There's an unresolved. There's something that we have to deal with, and we don't want to do it. So what culture has been so good at is it's offered so many vices where we don't have to actually deal with our problems. We can just numb them. And this is why we get anxiety. This is why we get depression. This is why we get all these different things. I would argue that most of us spend our lives trying to avoid the tension, trying to avoid the space in between because we don't like it. But there's a peculiar verse in James chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. I'm going to pick it up in verse 2. But it's a very popular verse. We all know it. We, we've heard it before. But it can be very confusing if you don't understand the context of the verse. So let's read it. Verse, chapter 1, starting in verse 2 consider it a sheer gift friends when tests and challenges come at you from all sides pause there why is that scripture <laughs> do you ever read parts of the bible and you just go i don't like that like why is god telling me to consider it like a joy a gift when i go through hard times this is a gift from what hell <laughs> consider it a gift When challenges come from you at all sides, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open. In other words, in the Christmas Walmart line, your true self is revealed, right? (laughs) Consider it a joy when your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. And here's what I want you to get this morning. Watch this. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. When you find yourself in the tension, James is warning you, hold on, there's something in there. There's there's some gold to be mined out of this tension. There's something that God wants to do in this space in between, but most of us were saying, no, get me out of here. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Watch this. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I'll tell you why some Christians never grow up because they're always trying to get out of difficult times. We always find ourselves, here's the challenge that we find ourselves facing, here's the moment that God wants to bring us through this journey that he wants to walk us through and we go, "Nope, too hard. I'm out." <laughs> I I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to go through this. I don't want to face this tension. So let it do its work. You will become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So in other words, here's what James is telling us this morning. Consider it a gift when you find yourself in the space in between. Consider it a gift when you find yourself in tension and hard times where you don't know what to do. And we often find ourselves in this space going into a new year, don't we? Going into a new year, if you're anything like me, you begin to focus on maybe all the regrets that you have and what you don't want to do, what, 2017, I don't want to go back there, and I want it it to be new, I want something fresh, I want God to speak to me, I want God to reveal these things to me, and we can reflect on all the things that we didn't do, or all the shame, or all the guilt, but if you're not careful, instead of embracing the tension that God is actually calling us to, we'll try to run away from it. See, the space in between may be filled with suffering and pain, but I want you to get this. This is the opportunity where your greatest sense of joy will derive from. Because listen to me, when you're not at the mountain, when you're not at the top, when you're not at the desired destination and you find yourself in this tension, if you really push through to seek God in the middle of that, you will find a joy that will never fade. Because in the middle of that, all you have is God, right? The only thing that you can lean on is not how good your job is going or how your bank account looks or how well your marriage is going. You can only lean on the hope that you found in Jesus. Notice James says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. See, the reason that many of you have not reached the desired destination that you desire to be at is because you're not willing to go on the journey. Most of us spend our lives thinking that it's all about the destination. If I could only get here. But the majority of life is a journey, isn't it? The majority of life is walking through it and going through the struggles and the difficulties and the tension and the space in between. But we get so focused on the destination that we forget that we're actually in this race called life. Could it be possible that God is allowing the tension in your life to establish character? Could it be possible that God wants to bring you at this desired destination, but the only reason you have not reached it yet is because you're unwilling to go through the journey? Let me explain it to you like this. So, for the past three years, we didn't do it this year, but for the past three years, my family, um, we have loaded up our minivan, and for Christmas, instead of buying a bunch of gifts, we've gone on a vacation. Now, we've gone to Tennessee every year, one, because there's a ton of things to do for the kids, and it's usually pretty cheap. So, we all get excited about the snow and, you know, the going up to the mountain and tubing down the, the hills and all the fun things that you can do. And if you think, when you, when you process a vacation, you usually just think about all the fun that you're going to have, right? We're going to be able to do this with the family. We're going to create lasting memories. The problem is you have to get six kids in a minivan and drive 10 hours. Now, if you have six kids, 10 hours turns into about 15, Right? So it's like before you get in the van, okay, when is the last time you drank something? Okay, so what we're going to do is like before we leave, we're going to dehydrate all of you. (laughs) Nobody's going to drink anything, right? And in a moment of desperation, I remember a few years ago was the first time that we did it. And the kids were going crazy. We pulled over at a gas station. We're like, pick out whatever you want, snack. We'll just let you keep eating so you can be quiet. Three bags of gummy worms later, my second son, Isaac, is gummy worms all over the back, right? See, what we fail to forget is we have this desired destination, this place that we want to arrive at. Maybe it's a particular career that you want to get at. Maybe it's a particular place that you want to be at spiritually, but we often forget about the journey, See, what my wife and I do now is we know, okay, this journey is going to be crazy. To get to Tennessee, well, what do we do now? We actually stop halfway, we get a hotel that night, and then we break up the trip. We prepare for the journey. We know it's going to be difficult, we know it's going to be hard, but we prepare for it. We're terrible parents when we say, stay on your iPad the whole time, <laughs> right? But we prepare for it. And the truth is, Oftentimes, we don't get to the desired destination because we're not willing to go through the journey. And I don't know if you know this, but most of life, most of life, the majority of life is spent in the traveling, in the journey, getting to the destination. And if you can prepare for it, if you can get ready for it, if you know what's coming, it makes the journey a whole lot easier. The truth is, if you're not willing to endure the journey, you'll never reach the destination. I mean, there's been plenty of times driving there where we're just like, this is, let's turn around and go home. But why do we keep, no, memories are gonna be made. We're gonna have fun, it's gonna be great. And once we get to the cabin, we can have fun and enjoy the family so we keep going, we keep pushing forward. Now, here's what the crazy thing is. Your savior, the one that we all serve, Jesus, the reason that we're all here today, knows exactly what it's like to be in the space in between. He knows what it was like to embrace the tension. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus was the person on this earth that was more sure about his purpose than any of us. He knew exactly why he was here on earth. He knew exactly why God sent him to restore humanity, to offer salvation. He knew why he was here, but he also goes through this tension in his life. You'll remember it. The very beginning of his ministry, the Holy Spirit actually leads him into the desert for 40 days. Now, I want you to notice something. Before I read this scripture, I want to give you a little bit of context. Jesus has just come from this high point in his life. So John the Baptist has literally just baptized Jesus. And the heavens have opened up, and this voice, God, from heaven, calls down, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you know that would be pretty awesome to experience? Like when you're baptizing, if this roof would just open up, and God's like, that's my son. You'd be like, that's right, you know? So he's at this incredibly highlight, this high point of his life. He's just been baptized. God says, look, I'm pleased with him. And then it says the Holy Spirit says, all right, you're on the mountain. Now go into the desert. Go into the desert. Now, why would he do this? Watch this. Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now I want you to notice something. Jesus does not go into the wilderness alone. He was led by the Spirit of God. There is no wilderness that you can walk through that you can defeat by yourself. It is the whole reason at this church, at all of our campuses, we stress over and over. You probably get sick and tired of hearing us say it. Community, community, community. You're not in a life group. Get plugged in. You need people to walk this journey with. Verse two, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry or hangry, (laughs) right? How many of you just turn into a monster when you have not eaten? Every woman in this room should (laughs) write. Two things I want you to notice. Number one, He was full of the Spirit before he went into the wilderness. And number two, he was led by the Spirit. So I want you to notice he's about to enter into this tension and God actually led him there. God led him into the desert. Jesus did not enter into the tension alone. He didn't just decide to do it by himself. So we continue reading Luke 4, verse 3 through 4. Then the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So the first point that I want to make, number one, the tension, the space in between says satisfy yourself in the moment. But scripture says Jesus alone is the only thing that satisfies us. See, when you find yourselves in moments of tension... Moments of a wilderness, moments of a desert. It is so easy just to shift down to first gear and say, you know what, I just want to get comfortable. I'm sick and tired of dealing with life. I don't want to fight through this. I am tired. I'm exhausted. You know what, I just want Netflix and chill. That's all I want to do. It's so easy to take it down to first gear, but when you find yourself in the space in between, the greatest temptation is to feed yourself with the world. We begin to believe that our joy is actually going to be found in our consumption of more. The more that we get, the more that we have. If I just had this house, if I just had this marriage, if I just had this husband, if I just had this wife, if I just had this much money in my bank account, if I just had this job, we begin to buy into the lie, if I just had more in this season, then I would be okay. Or maybe you find yourself like this, if I could just sleep. If I just had a day of rest, if I just had a day where I could sleep in, nobody could bother me, nobody would call me, text me, and I could just wake up whenever I wanted and I could just watch whatever I want and I could just do whatever I want. You know what the crazy part is? I've tried this. We go into it assuming that that's what we need. I just need like rest, I just need to sleep, I just need to watch something, I just need some me time. And we come out of those days more exhausted than we were before. St. Augustine said it this way, your soul will consistently be restless until it rests in Jesus. But oftentimes in the middle of the tension, we're trying to satisfy our soul with something that could never give us any satisfaction. We're satisfying our souls with something that has a very short shelf life like Facebook, or social media, or Netflix, or the new phone, or the new house, or whatever it may be. The answer to the space in between, the answer to the tension, is Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something that's a little controversial. But this isn't my campus, and Pastor Josh can clean it up later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The- I don't know if you know this or not, and we, we've talked about this a great deal in Crowley. We actually did two series on it. We've talked about depression, and we've talked about anxiety a lot. But I don't know if you know this, but the, the pharmaceutical company, the greatest like medications on the rise, the most popular rise, the most popular medications are medication for anxiety and medication for depression. Now, I'll tell you why it's on the rise. It's on the rise because most of us don't know how to sit in silence. So we have all these little distractions. There's a deep gaping hole in our heart that needs to be filled with the Savior. But we have all these things around us that are consistently and constantly distracting us so we never actually deal with the problem. So what this leads to is we have this whirlwind of issues. So it leads us down this road of depression, anxiety, and we don't even know where it's coming from. But the truth is it's coming from all the things that we're suppressing. All the things that we're pushing down I gave this analogy the other day. It's almost like if you were in the desert and somebody kicked you over into a cactus field and you had needles sticking out all over the place. And you went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Where do you feel pain? <laughs> everywhere. We don't know where it comes from. People that have anxiety and depression, when they say, Well, how do we help you? How do we fix this? They're like, I have no way, I have no idea. I'm hurting everywhere. And the reason that we have no way to diagnose it is because there's all these things around us, all these issues that we don't know how to deal with anymore, and so we just suppress them. We just numb them. We just push them down. So I want to say this. You don't have a stress problem. You don't have a depression problem. You don't have an anxiety problem. You actually have a trust problem. You don't trust that Jesus loves you enough to take it away from you. And you have a hard time giving over the depression, giving over the anxiety, giving over the stress to Jesus because we say, well, he's not gonna understand or nobody else is gonna understand what I've walked through and what I've dealt with and they don't know the pain that I'm feeling and they don't know the thoughts in my head and as soon as I expose these things, people are gonna think I'm crazy. But this is why I love Jesus cuz he models this tension for us. We have to trust that Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy our soul. There is no I'm just telling you this and I'm not listen I'm not against if you if you if you need medication I'm not a doctor I'm not here to tell you to get stay on it or get off of it or whatever. I'm just here to tell you there's, there's no pill that is going to fix your broken heart. It just can't happen. The end of the day, the only thing that is going to help sustain our life is Jesus. Listen to what Psalms 107.9 says. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. Listen, he fills with good things. The soul that is hungry, the, the soul that is desperate, the soul that is empty and longing for Jesus, it says he fills it with good things. We continue with Jesus in the desert. Luke 4 says, Then the devil took him up, and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This would be like the enemy taking Jesus up and displaying this movie screen and showing him the future. Saying, look, look at everything that's going to happen and all these people that are going to go through the world. I can give them over to you if you do one thing, if you would just bow down to me. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to you if you will just simply worship me. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So number two, tension says, build your own kingdom. (laughs) Scripture says, build his kingdom. See the space in between when we find ourselves in the middle of tension, it says this, just focus on you. You just need some time alone. You just need some me time. You just need to focus on yourself. But the core reason we never reach the desired destination and we stay in the space in between because life is all about us. Life becomes so self-centered. It becomes about building our own kingdom and our own platform and how many likes we get and all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, a satisfied life is actually found when you're not building your own kingdom but when you're building his kingdom. And what I mean by that is there's actually more to this life than the life that you're living right now, the tangible things that we see. Like every decision that you make actually affects eternity. Like we are eternal beings. One day we get the amazing, glorious opportunity to stand before Jesus and hopefully hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that happens when we step outside of the life that we're living right now. We begin to live our life for something bigger than ourselves. But the reason we have a hard time doing this is because Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It doesn't make sense to our modern-day culture, our world. Because our culture and our world says, hey, if you want to get ahead, you better take charge now. If you want to run a successful business, then you need to run over people. You need to pay some people in the back and bake back deals or whatever it may be. or If you want to get ahead, then you need to make sure that you're first. But see, Jesus' kingdom says this. The first will be last and the last will be first. It's an upside down way of thinking. It's an upside down kingdom. I, I was explaining this to my boys a few years ago. And uh, I don't, we were doing chores and we, we usually try to reward them for different chores or stuff like that. And uh, so the kids, we have six of them. So as I'm re- rewarding them, they're all kind of lining up for their, their reward, you know. And so my oldest Eli, he's always first because he's the oldest, you know. So he gets there. And so we'd start talking about this principle. I said, son, listen, the first will be last in heaven. You know, you need to learn, just let other people be first. You don't always have to be first. And so the following day, you know, I could tell he was really processing it. He's thinking about it. And so we line up to get chores. And Isaac gets in the first of the line. And Eli yells from the back, you're going to be last in heaven. <laughs> I was like, no, you're totally missing it. <laughs> but see, Jesus' way of thinking is completely upside down. He continues in Matthew 20:26, 20, Whoever wants to be great in the world has to be a servant. He continues in 1 Corinthians 1.27. It says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. See, the quickest way to get out of the tension, the quickest way to get out of the space in between is to take your eyes off of yourself and begin to build his kingdom. It's so hard to get out of this tension, this depression, this anxiety, when all of the focus is on you. Because when it's all on you, it's like you got these blinders on and the only thing that you can think about is your pain and your depression and your anxiety and you can't see clearly anything else. The crazy thing is, when you start building God's kingdom and you start stepping outside of yourself, he actually starts building yours. (laughs) But we get it so backwards so many times, I need to build my platform, I need to talk about my name and I need to build myself up and then hopefully God will glorify me and elevate me. It's usually the complete opposite. Luke 4, verse 9. says, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, Now I want you to notice this. He's about to tempt him with Scripture. If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. There's always going to be another opportunity. So, the third point that I want to make tension says formulate your own truth. The scripture says the promises of God are the truth. So, when you find yourself, listen to me. When you find yourself in the space in between and stress and anxiety and depression or tension or you don't know where to turn, it's so easy to turn to our internal selves and formulate, well, this is true for me. We live in a culture that is doing this today. I don't know if you know this or not, but Thomas Jefferson, when he read the Bible, there were certain things that he didn't like in it. So he looked at it. And he actually came to a guy who owned a printing press and he said, Tear all these passages out and reprint it. Because I don't like these things in it. And so he tore out all the things that didn't sit well with his heart. And he tore them all out and now he could read the Bible and he felt good about himself. See, this is what we do oftentimes when we find ourselves in tension. We'll read the truths of the scripture. Or the reason that we pull back away from community is because we don't like to hear the truth. The reason we pull away from the people that actually could help us get us to the next place is because oftentimes they love us enough to tell us the truth. Every single person in this room, including myself, needs somebody that loves you enough not to down you, but to look at you and say, I'm worried for your soul. Or, hey man, the way you're treating your wife, like, just not good. Or man, may, have you thought about this? I know you, you've been saying for weeks that you're just at this dark place. What, what can we do about that? Somebody that can tell us the truth. But it's hard when you're living in tension, isn't it? It's hard when you find yourself in the space in between because you begin to buy into the lie, well, maybe God's forgotten about me. Or maybe I've actually gone to a place where, man, I've done something so terrible that God can't forgive me. Or that he can't love me for this. Listen, I'm here today to tell you one simple thing. These are lies. So when you read the scriptures, you begin to understand the truth that God actually promises. If you give your heart over to him, he promises to give you a new life. Like a complete do-over. Over and over and over again. He promises to lift your burdens. He promises that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever work that he started, he actually promises to finish it. Maybe God gave you a dream at the beginning of t- 2017 of something that you wanted to do, something that you wanted to accomplish, and maybe 2017 just continued and it just beat the life out of you. And maybe right now God's bringing some of those dreams back up and you're saying, yeah, 2018, I, if it's anything like 2017, I'll never accomplish this dream. Are you going choose to choose to believe your own truth or are you going to choose to believe God's truth for your life? Listen, I've done things that I regret I've done things that I carry shame for, and I gotta ask God to release me from it every single day. I've done things that I'm not proud of or I'm not happy about. But I can rest in one simple thing. When I find myself in tension, when I find myself sliding into shame or guilt, I can rest in the very fact that God loves me no matter what. For me, that's why the gospel has always been so attractive. Like God, creator of the universe actually sent his one and only son for me, for you, despite your life. That's why I love Ephesians 1 so much. It says, before the foundations of the earth, watch this, God knew you and he loved you. Do you know what that means? Before you ever had a chance to make a mess of your life, he still loved you. Before you ever had a chance to screw it all up, like he still loved you. He saw into the future. He knew exactly what you would do. And he said, I still want you. But see, when you formulate your own truth about yourself, well, this, is, this must be what God thinks about me. And we fall into this dangerous place. So I want to encourage you to do something. Just as a challenge. When this tension comes, because it will. Maybe you're not in it right now. Maybe 2018, it will bring a time of stress. It will bring a time of tension where maybe you've got to make a decision and you don't know which way to turn. I want to encourage you to do something. Instead of running to a device, instead of running to something that can numb it because you feel like you're so overwhelmed so you don't know what to do, instead of doing that, sit in silence for a moment. Can I tell you the reason that we hate to sit in silence and The reason that we like the noise on all the time, because the second that we sit in silence is the second that we have a head-on collision with the reality of our heart, and we don't like it. (laughs) So all of a sudden, as that reality comes into focus, we're like, oh my gosh, turn the noise back up, right? I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that. So we continue to suppress it, and this is where the enemy wins, this is where he comes in. This is where depression enters. This is where anxiety enters. This is where we begin to believe lies over truth. Don't numb it. Because in that tension, if you allow it, if you embrace it, the pain, the tension, the stress, the anxiety, like God is establishing character in you. God is doing a new work in you. Like Jesus modeled it for us. He went into the desert for 40 days was tempted by the devil. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. He was weak. There is something to be said of your weakness. The gospel actually tells us that when you are weak it is your greatest opportunity for Jesus to be strong in your life. But we live, especially in South Louisiana if you're a man, we live in this macho society, right? I can't share my stuff. I think I'm weak. The strongest men in the world share their stuff because it's the hardest thing to do sometimes. Embrace it. Because here's the truth. When you find yourself in the tension, when you find yourself in the space in between, I want you to understand something, that this is your opportunity for the joy that will never leave. Stop looking for temporary happiness and hold on to a joy that will never leave you. And that's Jesus. And your joy is not going to be found in getting the next best thing. It's not going to be found in hopefully my job goes well or hopefully this happens. It's going to be anchoring yourself to something that is absolute, something that never changes, something that doesn't have a shelf life that fades away. And his name is Jesus. See, on the other side of the tension, on the other side of the stress, on the other side of the anxiety, is actually God establishing something in you. So let me close with this. If you find yourself in that tension, if you find yourself going into 2018, having to make a tough decision, or going into 2018 going, okay, I don't want it to look anything like 2017. I'll be honest with you, 2017 was a very, it was, my wife and I were having this conversation the other day, it was just, it was a, it was a weird year for me. It was kind of dark. <laughs> it was a series of things that have happened, but it was a difficult year. And it was hard, but at the same time, I'm trying to look at it and go, okay, God's doing something in that. He's teaching me something. And I find that oftentimes we have two choices to make. Yeah, the year sucked. (laughs) Hope it's not like the next one. Or we can say, God, are you doing something in this? Are you doing something in this tension? Then when I sit in this silence and you would begin to reveal the things in my heart, that God would actually meet us in that place. We find ourselves in those moments.